got a hole in it. <laughs> What's up, y'all? It is Jason Watson, VP of Workforce Development. Welcome to Say That to Say This, Season 2, The Experience. Holla. What's up, y'all? It is Jason Watson. Welcome to Say That to Say This. Of course, I got my right hand with me. What's going on, everybody? Josh Wilson. Thanks for joining us again. Absolutely. Well, listen, y'all, there's been a lot going on. Thank you to everybody that's been tuning in, has been catching us. We're happy to be in the building today. I feel like I ain't seen you in a minute, man. I know, dude. You've been, bro, I've been trying to be everywhere. That's mm -hmm. the problem, man. I've been mm -hmm. trying to be everywhere. You got your ankles out today doing I mean, something new. I know, dude. I, I got the loafers on today, man. I hadn't taken for a ride in a minute. Everybody's giving me a little slack, but, you know, they feel nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's... Stepping your swag up, man. Trying, dude. Trying to be like you. Appreciate Trying to be like you, man. Well, man, we're excited, man. Excited for this podcast. We have a guest with us, man. A, a really good friend. Uh, before we go there, though, before we go right into him, um, quick question for you, Josh. You know, Juneteenth tomorrow, you know, what, what you got going on this weekend, man? Dude, so uh, I'm headed down to uh, headed down to Dallas, actually. So uh, this is the this is the first year that we've taken off for uh, for Juneteenth uh, here at Mission St. Louis, uh, which is which is really cool. So we're celebrating that, and I'm getting to celebrate the fact. So uh, my brother and his wife live up in uh, in Cleveland. Through COVID, they had uh, uh, their second child. Wow. And uh, so I hadn't got to meet that little dude. So the whole family, we're all going down to Dallas. Everybody's flying into Dallas to hang out with the folks and uh, get to meet the uh, newest nephew. nephew. Yeah, uh, man. Big. Excited about man, it. That's big. I ain't got too much going on, man. It is the countdown. If y'all don't know, my birthday is June 22nd. I'll be 40 years old. So How did you get your birthday on everybody's calendar? Like, it, but, it's that's like next level. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> see, what I did was I tapped into everybody. It's important, man. For anybody listening, you know, you can cash out me. <laughs> just hustling. <laughs> no, I'm just playing, man. Excited though, man. I'm I'm gonna be just getting ready for this next week, man. But I hey, wanna, this is 4-0 though. This is 4-0. How you feel about that, man? Man, I feel younger than ever, man. Bro, you look great. You man, look great. You be rocking this 40 like nothing, dude. Ain't nothing, right? You know what I mean? But man, so listen, <laughs> I want to take some time, man. Introduce our guest, yeah. a good friend of mine. Um, actually, I bought my birthday present from this guy. <laughs> but, uh, it looks nice too Man, thank you, thank you very much But man, I've had the pleasure, man To, to really get to know this brother over time um, Then we were able to hire him Come on staff with us here at Mission St. Louis dude, You circled the Mission St. Louis orbit for a little bit For a long time Yeah, dude, he made, us, he made us court him He made us go after him He made us, you know, we were taking him to lunch We had to roll out the red carpet for this cat <laughs> No, I think he was courting us for real, man. I think he was trying to check us out. <laughs> I supposed to have been over on Tower Grove side for a long time. Yeah, right. see? Right. When see I that. came over, I, that's where I first met Jay at. Yeah. Man, man. So, man, Mr. Kelvin Pettis, man, if y'all yeah, don't know man. who this guy is, he is a community health worker specialist. I mean, this guy is the truth. success coach. This guy is a helper, a lover, man. So... Just tell us a little bit about yourself. How you doing today, man? Feeling good. Good to be here with you, gents, man. It's, it's, it's definitely a pleasure, guys. Uh, Dude, he's got that voice for radio, man. He's going to make this pop. You know how many right likes here. we're going to get on this podcast <laughs> just because of KP's voice? Dude, I'm sorry. Keep going, Keep going. Man. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, um, I'm glad to be here. Um, Mission St. Louis, this is my home, my new profile home, man. Um, love it here. I love what I do here. And I want to give a special shout-out. Uh, Brother Josh and 
Brother Jason for allowing me to be a part of Mission St. Louis family. Man. If you yeah, if, if y'all don't know if y'all don't know KP <clears throat> and, and I know I know Jay did a great job of kind of introducing him, but um, this dude is I mean he's just the truth. I mean I think uh, you know there's one of the reasons that that uh, we, we got to know you kind of. Uh, over the last few years, but uh, man, your heart, your love for people, yeah. uh, your passion for what you do uh, is absolutely amazing. I'm excited for our listeners and and and, and volunteers and folks that have kind of been uh, been around to get to know a little bit more about you. One of the things that we've been doing uh, specifically in this uh, second season of Say That to Say This podcast is really just talking about stories, right? So we've had the opportunity uh, just to hear from people like, hey, uh, when you intersected with Mission St. Louis, where were you coming from? What does that look like? And, um, you know, I think that's one of the reasons today why we wanted to get you in here is, is one, because we've got the utmost respect for you and are thankful for all that you do. But two, just to learn more about you, man, to hear a little bit about your story, where you're from, how you grew up. So you want to share a little bit of that with us? <clears throat> Absolutely. I'm a Southern boy at heart. I uh, grew up born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. He knows um, his way around a grill, too. Yeah, he knows yeah. his way around a grill. <laughs> <laughs> but it's some of them Southern roots. Um, I stayed in, I lived in New York and left from New York and came back to Kansas City. Uh, there, I finished high school and um, went to LU for, for about a year or so and met a young lady and came to St. Louis. So that's how, that's, how, that's, that's how I became St. Louis. I've been here for quite some time. Love the Lou, man. I, I, I have, this is my home. It's my home. So talk a little bit about your parents, your upbringing. Like, what did that look like for you growing up? In the South, man, um, we're talking about the 70s. Um, it, it was quite interesting. Um, a lot of blues. Uh, a, a lot of... Um, um, I, I left, actually, my mom. And so I lived with my grandmother. And so I have a lot of um, her ways, the way she raised me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, And these are some of the values that I, I use today. Mm-hmm. Um, taking care of people. You know, being a natural nurturer because that's what I got from her, guys. Gotcha. So you know, um, that's that's one of the things that I most love love about. Um, she helped everybody, man. So I think I naturally received that from her. You know, mm-hmm. with that right there in respect. But I love it. So how was it growing up on the south? Would you have <clears throat> unique challenges that you faced? Like, um, what were some of some of the, the the obstacles that you had to deal with just being in the south? Um. Some 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 racism in, in in certain areas. Uh, it was like the railroad track kind of separated black people from white people. You know, really. So we only saw each other like when we went to the grocery stores or because it was in a small town. Basically, I, I, I grew up in Cumo, Mississippi. This is fifty five South, um, right off the state line of Memphis, Tennessee. So once you come out of South Haven, Mississippi, then you into uh, Mississippi. And so coming up, like black people stayed on one side of the railroad tracks, white people stayed on the other side. So it was kind of like a racial line. Um, but for, for the most part of it, the things that I experienced, my grandmother used to tell me stories about picking cotton and different things of that nature. You know, but um, she loved and respected everybody, man. How long were you there? How long were you in? Uh, we probably talking about, since I was maybe three or four, no, about six. Because okay. I, I went to elementary school one year. And then we was in Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee, and then we moved to NYC. Okay. For, for a bit. And was that with your grandmother? Or? No, no. Okay. She was behind. Okay. She, she stayed, stayed in Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, so who were you with in? Uh, my in... mom and my brother and sister. Okay. Yeah. Uh, New York. Yeah. How long were you in New York? Um, not that long at all. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe five, six years. Mm-hmm. My mom got ill, and then we came back to Mississippi mm-hmm. and stayed. And so I was beginning to like. 
when my mom passed this kind of put him in a whirlwind like a loss uh emptiness that you can't never find yeah sure and so that's just and my dad's like you know what i'm coming to get you and so that's why i ended up in kansas city so he was it's, from kansas city yeah okay yeah. well actually he was born in mississippi as well um but he moved uh, he did some time he was in prison when he got out he came to missouri and then that's how you know we we connected back he came and got me and then i saw and i finished school in kansas city so you finished like Middle school, high school in yeah. Kansas City with your dad. High school, yeah. So what was, that, what was that transition like going from mom, mom passing, <clears> traumatic <throat> experience, really, yeah. really difficult, pop saying, hey, um, come to Kansas City. I mean, you, you're talking about going from Mississippi to New York to Kansas City. That's a lot it's, happening. It's, it's, it was a big, uh, it was a big change for me, you know, just adjusting to people how things were. Because, like, when I actually started reacting, I mean, having uh, reaction with other people, like um, other ethnicity, because... When I was in Mississippi, blacks stayed with black, whites stayed with whites. Like we saw them in downtown area. I mean, we saw them in a in a little small country store, grocery store. But that was only reaction that we really had. The railroad tracks actually separated. But um, when I got exposed to like going into Memphis, we began to interact so with people. New York, like that was probably a oh, it is. Jay, you wouldn't even, Josh, you wouldn't even imagine, guys. It's like it opened up my eyes to, to the world. Yeah, talk about that. The south to the north. Yes, like, right, I mean, right. To the east, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, completely different culture. Completely different culture. So I'm seeing people um, interact. I'm seeing people dating. I'm like, man, somebody's going to get hurt, you know. Right. But that was that, that south mentality that I had because that's what all I saw, mm-hmm. you know. So this gave me a different perspective on life. Start loving people, having friends, you know, accepting mm-hmm. each other's culture. Yeah, so, that's so, so you're getting to interact with people, cultures yes. that you'd never interacted with before. Yes. And difficult to navigate, easy to navigate for you? It was difficult at first because I didn't know, you know, yeah. what to say, how to say, or, you know, what to say to a person, you know, because, you know, you never had that reaction or interaction with people. Right. You don't know what to say, you know. Right. So that was a totally big transition for me, but I love it. I'm glad I had the experience to, um, to, to just, just to change yeah. And a lot of people stay in that little small box and never grow and learn from it, man. Yeah. And it's what was so it sad. like? What was it like too? So, so you go through. I mean, there's obviously a lot of dramatic experiences in that story, but you're also going from, uh, you know, the influence of your grandmother to kind of stepping out with your mom, right? And and then her passing, and then going back in, in into your dad, who's, you know, may it, yeah. you know, I don't know what that relationship looks like, but I mean, there's a, there's a lot of pieces to that. So it sounds like there was a, a significant amount of like adolescence of growing up without a dad and then boom, you got mom passes in like, you know, you coming under dad's roof. Like what, what was that like? It, it was, it, it was a hell transition because uh, I had to learn him. He had to learn me. Yeah. Like we bumped head. Literally we got into a fist fight because yeah. at, at the point of age, like now we talking about high school I myself already had began to set my path where I wanted to be as a young man. Yeah. And, and you're already like wrestling <clears> with some of that yeah. manhood piece without somebody maybe specifically speaking into it. And now it, you've got this dude. He's telling me how to, what I should be doing. I'm like, well, you really haven't been around. So you really can't tell me mm. how, to, how, to, how to live my life. Mm. You just came into my life. And so then and I was still angry because my mom had passed. You know, so and I'm sure you're also in that place of exactly what you said, and like, hey, I still want you to like love me and see me and respect me and speak into my life. Exactly, and that's a lot of yeah, yeah. So it was a big transition, man. But 
Um, we had to, we had to fish fight, unfortunately. Um, Sometimes you just gotta get. Yeah, I got it. Hey, it got out of me, but uh, um, <laughs> he got it out of me. But so that's what happened. But um, you know, once we had that, we sat down to each other, and my father told me a story, and I kind of like found out like what happened between me. I mean, mm-hmm. between my, I mean, uh, my father and, and my uncle, which is my mom brother. And the whole story, he ran it down. And so I had a new profound respect for mm. him. Is that you know? healing for you? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. It's very important for a, for a man, for a young man or, or a child to have their father in their life. Yeah. You know, um, no matter what your father did or didn't do, it's a healing point that you have to have to put that aside. It's hard to move forward if you got things slinging around, man. So you got to get that out in the open. So we got that out in the open. Love that old dude. He called me this morning, man. This guy's a character. Mm. But I love him dearly, that's a, man. That's an interesting point. I mean, you know, we get to talk about this mm-hmm. uh, often, but, um, you know, the, the difficulty of, you know, oftentimes, especially young men, yeah. um, you know, we're constantly going like, hey, we're wrestling with that, what that picture of being a man is. Like, yeah. What is it? How do, you, how do you define what manhood is? And really, I mean, I think if we're, if we're really honest, desperate for, for somebody to speak into our lives. So either desperate for somebody to be like, like bro, I'm, I see you, I look at you, uh, I, I, can, I can validate that you are on the path to, to manhood. And, and then oftentimes that voice isn't there. Yeah. So we're wrestling with how do, we, how do we hear that? That's why I always explain to people, like, you know, um, even when I think about, like, the drug dealers in my neighborhood, yeah. Right, so they became father figures to dudes like me in my neighborhood. Um, and for those of you, maybe you may not understand this this idea, but these individuals, like they genuinely cared. Contrary to the way that the movies paint pictures, dudes weren't recruiting us to sell dope. Yep. Dudes really cared for us. Like yep. the dude who sold my mother drugs was the first dude that bought me a pair of name brand shoes. You know what I mean? Like I'm not condoning what he did. I'm just saying like. He showed a love, but it was a broken love. So yeah. when you talk about the need to try to find someone to um, play this role in your life, you know, my, my kids, been they put me up on this anime. <laughs> and I've been watching it. Uh, been binge watching uh, Naruto. Um, Naturo. And um, he grew up without his parents, and he ends up having a sensei. And the sensei, essentially all he does is believe in him. Yeah, you know what I mean. And if you've had that as a constant in your life, um, that's something to be thankful for. Yeah, because when you don't have, you don't understand what it feels like to not have that. I swear. Right. So that constant, like somebody who believes in you, somebody who tells you that they love you, somebody who disciplines you, you know, all of those things, or somebody who just shows interest, right? And that's what even some of the drug dealers in my neighborhood did. They took me under their wing. They showed me how to do things that weren't right, but they also showed me things that I still use to this day. They're the reason that I have some of the perspective that I have, some of the communication skills that I have. Like, So it's just interesting, man, that um, sometimes you find yourself in situations where, and I always say right, wrong, and reality. Your reality will shift your right and your wrong. And Absolutely. you don't know that till you get a, a jacked-up reality, what type of decisions you end up making. Indeed. Um, but you know, indeed. I mean, it's it's it's. All, I, I've heard you say that a couple of times, and it's interesting to see like the mercy inside of that that mm-hmm. dynamic, right? But both of you, I mean, but in what you've both communicated, 
there's also a piece like so so it's 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 commonality for us as men to, to desire that yeah, right exactly it's a whole different thing though to to have the courage of, of of what you did with your father and be like hey I am going to you know we, we all want it but we all we aren't all willing to be able to hear it right, right? Or, or to take the courage to be like hey you know I'm I'm gonna give you an invitation because like like Jay like I love you you're mm-hmm. Deep friend of mine, like it's one thing to be like, hey, I need men to speak into my life. It's another thing to give somebody permission or yeah. to build the trust yeah. to where, like, hey, I can, I can receive correction from you, or like because you love me, I know that you can come in and be like, like you're wrong. I mean, you've done that with me multiple times because we I have that type of yeah. friendship. Yeah. But I, you know, like as we're as we're wrestling with um, ideas of like like brotherhood and. Uh, and identity and things like that. Like that, that's a whole different level to be able to have somebody speak into. But think it about is. This. Think about it from this perspective too. Some, for, for some of us who either our fathers were absent for whatever reason, this, uh, the other thing that happens is you start to resent male figures. Period. Like, can't nobody speak into my life. Like, you know my daddy. You can't you know tell me that. Right. Or, or it might be weakness, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a sense of like. You feel like, well, since he ain't been there, like, I throw it, you almost throw everybody under the bus. Like, I don't, like, can't no man tell me what to do. Like, <laughs> and that's if, my attitude. If he is the I representation am. of what men will be, then I don't, you I'm know what I mean? Yeah. I don't need you. Exactly. So, you know, it's an interesting way that all of that could play out. Kelvin, for you, like, talk a little bit about uh, how that impacted the decisions you started to make. Like, um, <clears throat> things that you started to get into, were you able to maintain staying on the straight and narrow doing through those traumatic experiences? Like, yeah, and did your behavior change at all when you moved back in with Pop? Um, because in New York, I was I started doing things I shouldn't be doing, so I brought that same mentality to Missouri. Um, selling a little weed, doing, I mean, just doing it with a kid doing, you know, um, it, growing up poor too in the South, man. That that's that's a different thing too. Uh, been on the welfare system. Like, I was telling uh, my co-workers upstairs, asking them, like, what do you guys know about government cheese and powder eggs and powder milk? They were like, uh-huh. like, it was never no powder egg. I'm like, bro, look, I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was. It was powder eggs and powder milk. Uh, but but in, in respect of, of, I still have that same mentality, the hustling mentality. Like, son, I, I done did 20-some years for armed robbery. That is not the life that you want. But you wasn't around, bro, and I, I and I had, I had I had beef with him because I no one told me, never told me the story of like what happened. So it's crazy. I'm just really tripping off of this. So you get to New York, you know. So for, for people listening, context in the South, you're pretty much confined to one area. Yeah. Right there, there essentially is no opportunity. No. Um, you can't you. Can't talk to certain people certain kinds of ways. Or look. You don't even like, or interact with or interact, interact, right. interact with the white race at all. I just want the listeners to understand the, the way to what happens. But then you move <clears> to the <throat> east and it's like the world opens. Open it up. So not only are you now able <laughs> to interact with other races and have conversation and say things, but just as you mentioned, you're seeing uh interracial dating, mm-hmm. but also you have this opportunity now to make money. Yeah. Right. So you came from being enclosed, no opportunity, and now you move to the east, and there's an opportunity to start hustling. Yes. Right. So that's what happened. You know, because when we got there, we were still on the public assistance. Mm-hmm. So we stand in the high rise on the 14th floor in the elevator, and it worked. So 
laundry days. I hated it. So I got smart. I got me a wagon. Started taking uh, clothes because I got a I got a younger brother and a younger sister, so I'm the oldest. So as a big brother, I got to get out and do what I got to do. You know, eating spoiled chicken. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, for the listeners, uh, if someone ever had to had to take, I mean, had experience eating boiled chicken. That's not. It's almost spoiled. It's, mm-hmm. That smell is something else. But that's all we had. So eventually, I started hanging out with guys and. And it got up into one thing, led to another trying thing. To money, yeah. I'm trying to make some yeah. money and feed my family, and yeah. that's what happened. Let me just make this point. That's what I mean by right, wrong, and reality, right? Um, you know, sometimes your reality, again, can shift your right and your wrong. You know, so you get put in a situation, and until yeah. you're in a certain situation, you honestly don't know what type of decision you're going to make. That's right. You know, um, I assume nobody is a killer that's on a podcast, but if it came to protecting your wife, your kids, your family, like you would shift into an action because you are made to survive. Yes. Right? So you're going to find yourself hurting someone else in an attempt to protect your own life. Yes. Um, and that's your reality shifting your right and your wrong. That's your reality shifting the way you would make decisions. And that plays a role in every area of our lives. I, I always say when people starve, what do they do? They eat. They eat. And if I ain't got nothing to eat, then that means I might have to take somebody else's plate. Now, that may seem like, why do I get in a position where I want to take somebody else's plate, right? Well, it's because I feel like there is no plate available. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that's always true, but sometimes the weight of that feeling is enough to make you shift how you move. So even when you think about you, Kelvin, in a position where now, you know, you're able to provide a little bit more, take care of yourself in a different way, so you start doing things you probably never imagined doing. Exactly. Um, With that... So, so I mean, from that point right there, I talked to my father, and I had a little run-in with the law. Um, and let me let me share something with you guys. Um, I was afforded an opportunity, a four-year scholarship ride. Um, I got hurt. I got shot in high school, my junior year. I had a scholarship to the Ohio State mm. as a back come out of the field and balling up on cats, running them over. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm saying. But when I got shot. That changed my whole trajectory of in life, man. And um, that was in KC. That was in KC, yeah. I, you know, for the for the older guys, it's over forty. All of the people, um, we had starter jackets back then with team logos on them. Yeah, for sure. Oakland Raiders, Oakland Raiders. When my John Madden was running the show then with, with my boys, Triple Fat Goose, at uh, the Oakland Raiders trench coat, man. I never forget this on my father's birthday, uh, December twenty. He's a Christmas Eve, man. Went to the store and went got my favorite candy and a knee-high peach soda. And that changed my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. I had a full ride to any college I wanted to through the Kauffman Stadium um, foundation that they had going on. Um, <clears throat> went to the store, man. Got the candy. Guys are mind my jackets like, man, I know it was something going on there. I left out of the store. And so I heard the car hit the corner and the tire ski. So I, this is a triple fat goose uh, um, trench coat. I'm pulling up and running. Guys... They ran down on me, jumped out of jumped out of a uh, car with the guns, and so I'm like, man, I can't get this jacket up, cause I remember my pops like, son, don't wear that jacket. I wore it anyway because it was it was just so cool, yeah, man. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, cats hopped on me uh, with guns, and so at the time I was carrying one then, cause back then if you was on a bus stop wearing Jordans, you subject to get robbed. So yeah, oh uh, yeah, you subject to get robbed. <clears throat> so. Man, so 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 the guys hopped out. Um, I got physical with one of them. Could have lost my life. 
but at that time, you know, we talking about flight that flight uh, flight freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, that wouldn't even the fact that you did, you know. Because, you know, you it grew up in fight or fight. Yeah. <laughs> it was fight for me, you know. It's like, I can't give this jacket up. So I had a knife for me. Guy walked up on me. and I did what I had to do. He stepped back. Shot was fired. I felt, for someone who never been shot before, and I hope no one never experienced this feeling, when that bullet hit my body, that gunpowder heated me up like an inferno. was straight burning, you know. And... I survived that. Thank God for that. I'm glad to be here with you guys talking about this story. That completely changed. Because I had the mentality that I couldn't be stopped. Because what I experienced in my life, like, nah. Yeah, ain't nobody stopped me. Yeah, sure. that, that, that hot rock hit me or that bullet hit me. There was a whole... Reality. Different. It was a reality check. I'm like, you know what? I, I could die out here, baby. It's, it's that serious. <laughs> but but um, I got through that, gentlemen. And um, I went to LU. How many times? Once, yeah. Um, uh, I got through that long therapy. It was crazy. Um, but I got through that, and that opportunity, I went to uh, Lincoln University in Jefferson City. Um, uh, I still had that mentality of hustle. Went there and squandered an golden opportunity. I got caught. Got caught with a gun, marijuana, and cocaine on into the capital of Missouri on the federal grounds. I was looking at a lot of time, hmm. but I was giving it a pledge and go over. And a lot of the um, frat and community sorority people stepped up for me on my behalf and thank God uh, that I didn't do any serious time. But just, just for people having opportunity, it's crazy, it's crazy. The way you grew up can affect you as an adult. 100%. If you don't have that in you to pull yourself or associate yourself with positive people. So, so let me ask you this. I mean, you you went through a bunch of trauma. Yeah. Right? Then at KC, pops into life, family dynamics happening, and then you got all the potential in the world. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, everything, the sun is shining. Brightly. And then, boom, in a second, that's kind of taken away. You regroup, grinding again, get back down, carpet rugs pulled out from under your feet again, and and yet you continue to push, you continue, like, does that come from, like, where does that come from? Because the easy thing to do at that point is to be like, yeah, quit. <clears throat> I, I think I had to, um, what, what, what started it is when my daughter was born, hmm. because if I don't want to live for myself, I need to live for her. Not give her or show her of being her life. Um, some things that what I did or what happened to my uncles and my father going to prison, somebody had to break that change link. Because I have a lot of relatives that's in prison now uh, that were once in prison. So it's come to a point in time that my dad went, like, I possibly be in prison as well. So... I had to reevaluate myself totally and re reinvent. My daughter was born, so that right there kind of lit the fire under me, like made me change my whole life around, made me start thinking and reacting as a man. Because everybody is a man is not a man. Because you over the age of 21, that doesn't mean you classified as a man. 100%. You know what I'm saying? You can still be a boy. 
<laughs> right. I know a lot of boys is over the age of 50, but that's another story in itself. But when my, my daughter was born, Josh, Jason, man, that changed my whole type of life. Changed my life. I started looking at things totally different than I, than I used to look at. And, and so now, um, with what you do in this work, yeah. mean, it's it's easy now, right, to, to look yeah. at your story and be like, man, no wonder you're, you're, you're in the place that you're in right now, where yeah. you're in this building, you're a part of this family. So when, when time after time, somebody's walking through our doors with, with a similar story to yours, like, tell me what you're saying. <clears throat> I've been there before. I know what you're feeling. Let me help you navigate this and find the right way. So I'm not never saying it's going to be easy because everybody's story, everybody is their own path. You know what I'm saying? But we have tools. We have people here that genuinely cares for you that can change your life if you want it to work. Because you can be as us, but you can't be as yourself. You know what I'm saying? Because you can make up and tell us all these things that you want to do until you actually know what you want to do, then it's not going to come true until you stop playing with yourself. I had to stop playing myself. His other brothers had to stop playing and sisters stop playing with themselves, man, and get about your business. So it wasn't, you know, as you as, as we look at, like, change with you, it's not that, that you necessarily had the right opportunity or something happened or somebody came in and, like, rescued. It was more like, hey, I, w- I want to leave a legacy for my family. Like, yes, sir. I, I care about the person that my daughter is looking at yes. and how I shaped that. And that was the, that was the moment for you. Yes. What if, so what, what happens if you don't have that? I mean, <clears throat> if you don't have that person, yeah. I mean, that plays a huge role, man. I, even, but here's the craziest thing I was just really thinking about. Like when you think about coming in contact with people who, who, you know, need help or in certain positions, like just even, man, just commending you even like, sure. I, I want, to understand like the weight of what you had to deal with, like coming from the South, moving to the East, losing your mother, being displaced, like moving with your father who is out of the penitentiary, like being shot, going from there, trying to go to school. Like, it's just, man, like when you come in contact with people, Kelvin, one of the reasons you connect is not just because y'all have the same experiences, but because you can identify pain points. Mm. Yeah. Like, so. Often it's really difficult for us. Like when we love people and we care about people, we tend to give them grace. Yeah. Right? The people that we don't know, them the people we don't give a lot of grace to. That's why the person that cuts you off on the road, you're ready to bust their head. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but the, the point simply is like, man, commending you for all of those experiences, but then being able to take that and still see people's, and because of that, it gives you a, a certain type of glasses. Yeah. That everybody don't get the opportunity to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Thank our you, pain points that allows us to really be able to connect to where an individual is. So mm-hmm. not just some of the decisions you made, but the experiences that you had to endure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's what connects us to individuals. You know what I mean? Like, because what I found is that even in the work that we do, and you probably speak to this too, yeah. it's not so much as the information that you give a person. You know what I mean? Like, even when you're teaching classes, it's not like you need the best information in the world. So tell me, for you, Kelvin, like, when you think about connecting with individuals and this work that you do, um, what what keeps you driven to, to pursue and to chase after individuals? I think for me, it's compassion and caring for people. Um, helping people that experience some of the things I've experienced in life to make them get better, to be better for themselves. 
You know, and I and when I talk to an adult, a woman or a man, I try to see what drives them another day to go another day. Whether you have kids, if you want to improve yourself, because going to jail or prison or going through facing opposition to life that was hard doesn't mean that life ends right there. You could be you could be eighty years old and reinvent yourself and doing something else. Um, uh, for me, as you stated, Jay, going through a lot of different things. When I sit down and talk with the person, it's eye to eye contact. I have to feel that I feel the energy, and I want them to feed off of me. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm genuinely here for you to help you if you wanted to help me out. You know what I'm saying? So you can't force anything on somebody. But for me, what drives me is helping people, man, to help them try to make things better for their life, man. Well, you know, I think there's, you know, one of the things that I learned from you often in, is, uh, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that's just beautiful about the, the man that you are, like, and then being able to, to, to look at it in perspective of your story. Like, you know, everything that you said is, is absolutely true and, and, and what drives you and what you're able to do, all of that is, 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 is true and we get to see it. But there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of people that interact specifically in this line of work too, that do it with the joy that you do it. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's just something special about the man that you are. Yeah. Thank you. And, and, and it speaks to your, your character. It speaks to your integrity of like, Hey, this isn't, this isn't fake. This is as genuine as it gets. And man, you do it with so much joy that as, as anybody is around you, man, you, 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 you're, you're rude to want to not only be around this dude, but you're also rude to be like, man, this is, this is possible. Yeah. And uh, there's something special about you that I, I really appreciate. Thank you. And Thank one you. One of the things is, you know, even as we wrap up, you know, Kelvin was shot, yep. sold drugs. Yep. You know what I mean? Did all of these different things. Um, and, and when you think about that, like on paper, you would look like the individual that we should just toss away and throw away and keep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I say that to say this, like, that's the reason we do the work we, we do. do. You know what I mean? Second chances. Like, we believe in them. Now, here's an individual who, if you looked at his, looked at everything, she, yep. all of his bad stuff on paper, you would say he shouldn't even be, he shouldn't even have an opportunity to interact. <laughs> right? But, but often when that's you real. see that sheet of paper with rap sheet, we don't see all the traumatic experiences surrounding it, right? So we judge them off the decisions that they made without understanding the context of why they made those decisions. That's why we believe in second chances, because we do believe that trauma, we do. Now, I'm not, we're not removing the responsibility of individuals, yeah. but we're saying that there is a reality that the trauma that we face impacts the decisions that we make. Yeah, indeed. And we want to give second chances to individuals because it's because of what you've been through that made you the perfect candidate for this work. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just want to commend you on that, man. Thank you. Man. Thank you, Jason. You, you having those experiences is the reason that you're here. Thank you. You know what I mean? And we love you for that, man. Yeah. And I love my brothers back for it, man. For accepting. You know, so, man, again, thank you, Kelvin, man. Yeah, thank KP. Hey, hey. Hey, what happened with the jacket? It's got a hole in it. Oh. <laughs>